<clears throat> Go ahead and try to find a Bible and get with me to Acts chapter 2. We're doing a little series right now in preparation the launch of our groups. We're talking about the early church and how they experienced community and life together. Uh, so we're in Acts chapter 2 looking at this one paragraph, and we've been at it now for a couple weeks, so this will be the third time we jump in. But we've noticed that <clears throat> the church is really a learning community devoted to the apostles' teaching, devoted to the scriptures. And we learn, too, that the church is a caring community, that it's a place where you ought to be able to, to be loved and known and cared for. <clears throat> and then this morning, we're going to look at how the church is a witnessing community. And so let me go ahead and read the text, and then we'll pray, and we'll get to work. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. Lord, right now, we want to hear your voice loud and clear. We thank you for your word and thank you for the picture that you've given us of the early church and their activities, Lord. And, and we just want, as the McChesney Park campus, Lord, we, we want to be the church that you desire here in this location, Lord. We want to be the kind of, we want to organize ourselves and, and um, pursue agendas that match up with your desire for us, God. So help us to hear from you and, and get our marching orders and then by faith be obedient, Lord. So we ask right now that you would speak to each one of us, that you would help us to embrace this high calling and uh, Lord, help us to make known the name of Jesus and, and let people call on him for salvation because we are willing to open our mouths and let them know who he is and what he's done. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we are a witnessing community. It's a part of who we are as a church. And what we mean by that is we are people who, who testify, who tell other people the news about Jesus, his life, his ministry, his death, and his resurrection. And as a church then, that's a part of our identity. And we see it here in this paragraph where they are doing certain things, but it's resulting in the salvation of many people. The Lord is adding daily uh, to their number, those who are being saved. And so we, we find out that this witnessing community is seeing the effects of God's Spirit kind of blowing through them. And they're doing their job. And I'm not going to go through the, the text like we've done the last two weeks because I feel like it's getting a little bit redundant. And if you've been here, you're probably like, oh, you said the same exact thing last week. So I'm going to look at this text and, and kind of you know, glance at it from time to time, but really we're going to just make three quick points from it and then we're going to zoom out and go, well, how could we do that here at the McChesney Park campus? Um, but if we're going to define witnessing, here's what we're talking about. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the Lord himself looked at his followers and he said this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. He, he tells his people, his followers, this is who you are. The Holy Spirit of God is going to descend upon you and you are going to be lit up by him. And, and part of the reason why this is going to happen is so that you could testify. You will be witnesses in Jerusalem, which is where they were at. And then the surrounding area. So, you know, kind of concentric circles, Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and then to the very ends of the earth. And that's actually the pattern in the book of Acts. You find them testifying about Christ in Jerusalem and then they kind of get driven out because of persecution. They end up in Judea and Samaria. They keep witnessing, telling people, here's who Jesus is. Here's 
what that means. And then uh, they begin to commission missionaries to go to the very ends of the earth. So this is who we are. As the people of God, we are called to make known the name of Christ. We are called not just to hold services, but to actually witness, to open our mouths and tell people, here's who Christ is, here's what he has done, here's what that means for you. So three quick points from the text. Number one, this is a work of God. Look at it in verse 47. It said, and the Lord, I'm putting the emphasis on the Lord, the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. It's a work of God. And that should be very freeing because if you walk out of here with the pressure and the weight of thinking you have to save somebody, good luck. None of us have that skill set where we could say, I'm going to go and be the salvation of sinners. I'm going to go and I'm going to do things in a specific way. And sometimes our presentations can lead us to believe that, that if we memorize the script, we say the right things, we ask the right questions, then people will respond favorably. Let's just be concerned with being faithful. It's the Lord who's adding to their number. We have a responsibility. That's to testify, to make known the news. We, we have to be faithful to the message, but it's ultimately God who is able to uh, awaken somebody to the realities of salvation. And so we do our job. We're responsible to tell the news, and then we can go to sleep at night. And we don't have to be anxious or worried or concerned. We do our part, trusting that God in his faithfulness will, will certainly do his. And that's liberating for me. That we don't have to try to figure out how to do church services. I don't have to figure out how to do altar calls that will result in people always coming forward and making decisions for Christ. If we are faithful to the message by God's Spirit, um, many great things can happen. Our responsibility is to be faithful. God adds the number daily uh, of those who are being saved. It's also a work of the church. I want you guys to see this. Salvation happens, and the normal thing in the scriptures is that when people are saved, they are integrated into the church. So it's not that we're creating rogue believers often, you know, wherever it is that we go, but we want to see people come to saving faith in Christ and then integrated into the life of the church. Again, verse 47 says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. The, the point that I'm making is when we do evangelism, our hope, when we witness, our hope is that people would trust in Christ and then we'd plug them right into the local church because that's where we're meant to thrive. That's where we're meant to do life and be discipled and be shepherded and be cared for. Evangelism isn't something that needs to happen away from the church. It, it can actually be something that's an integral part of what we do. Um, I was thinking about how when I did the action sports ministry, that was one of the reasons why I stopped doing it because we were traveling around and we were telling people the news of Christ and we were trying to partner with churches. But at the end of the day, we would leave and we would have these decisions that had been made by young people, but we didn't have a great strategy to make sure that they were being discipled. And for me, that didn't feel good. That didn't feel right. It was super fun. I mean, can you imagine just traveling around, wakeboarding and, you know, talking about Jesus? It was a lot of fun. But I looked at it and I said, look, I would rather be in one place, even if it's the basement of Central and Beloit, hanging out with a bunch of teenagers, I'd rather be in one place week by week making sure that people are, who are being saved are being included in their number, in the, the number of the church. So it's a work that involves the church. It's ongoing. Look again at verse 47. This time I'm putting the emphasis on daily. The Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Evangelism isn't something that we do once in a while. It's not something that, you know, every so often we go, oh yeah, we should probably be doing this. The, the normal thing is that evangelism testifying about Christ, telling people the news is this ongoing initiative in the church. 
So when we think about who we are and what we're doing as a campus, telling people the news of Christ has to be this. This is just part of the fabric of what it means to be a part of Central McChesney Park. We make known the name of Christ. We do things on Sunday mornings to inspire us and help us throughout the week talking about Christ. So we want to recognize that this is an ongoing work. This is something that we need to be doing uh, over and over again. They were experiencing it daily, uh, but we should just want every week new people are hearing the name of Christ and placing their faith in him, and, uh, and that's just something that we do. So let me now just zoom out and talk about how on earth are we going to accomplish this? Uh, if we want to, as a campus, embrace this high calling of being a witnessing community, what are some of the things that we need to do? And I'm going to give you four things, and they're not unique to me. I borrowed them from uh, John Stott. He had uh, someone else he borrowed them from. But these are four different things that we need to major on as a church with the intention of leveraging them so that other people could come to saving faith. Here's the first one, relationships. The relationships that we have have this tremendous potential to help other people see something of the, the glory of God and then be curious about it and ask more questions. So the way that we relate to one another is very, very important. In fact, let me share with you um, a few different verses that make this very clear. Jesus, before he died and, and uh, rose again and ascended into glory, he, he had this kind of very important meeting with his followers where he was teaching them things, he was praying over them, but he told them, this is John chapter 13, he told them that the way that they would relate to one another would give evidence of their willingness to follow Christ. So he's saying the way you guys relate to each other will actually give proof of the fact that you're my followers. This is John 13, 35. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So he's able to say to them, your relationships have to be so marked by love that if an unbeliever watches you interact with, with each other, they're going to come away going, obviously, they are followers of Christ. So our relationships have that ability. They have the ability to draw people's attention to the glory of God and to the fact that we follow Christ. John, he was one of the guys who was there. He wrote this to the, to the churches later on in his letter, 1 John. He puts it like this, 1 John chapter 4. He says, no one has ever seen God, right? He's, in, he's invisible. The Father is in, invisible. His, his glory is on display in his creation and in a lot of different ways in his people and, and all of that, but really no one has ever laid eyes on him. And then, you know, he sent his son Jesus and we were able to see the glory of God in the person and work of Jesus, but, but then he ascended. So what are we supposed to do today? He says, no one's ever seen God, but if we love one another... God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. It, what he's saying is, and this is the point of the letter, you can look at it for yourself. In 1 John, he's saying, if you can relate to one another in Christian love, that will be clear evidence to people that God exists. The way that we relate to each other has this profound ability to communicate the glory of God. And so we need to pursue this as a church, that our relationships would embody the kind of Christian love that's painted here for us in the scriptures. And we would then be able to say, look, if we want people to know who Christ is, if we want to witness to Christ, we just invite people to watch us relate to one another. And then obviously they're going to come away going, these are followers of Christ. Now here's what I'm worried about. When I think about the way we relate to each other, 
I'm wondering if we're falling way short of this ideal. Meaning we come to church as participants, we come as attendees, we come and we hang out for our little, you know, our hour and 15, but we don't have that depth of relationship with one another. So in Acts chapter 2, what were they doing? They were devoted to gathering together and sitting under the ministry of the word. They were meeting in each other's homes. They were giving up their possessions to care for each other. They were loving each other. I want us to become that kind of community of faith where, where we know each other so well that we could invite somebody in here and they could see how we interact and they could go, they are followers of Christ. And that's going to platform us then to talk about him. But could any of us really say with integrity, that's what's going on presently? That you know people in here well enough to say that the quality of your relationship and the way that you love each other commends Christ to other people. That's where we have to go. We have to commit ourselves to loving and caring for each other. So the two things we've been talking about to help us embrace this is membership. So we're able to say we are committed to one another. You're, you're, you're part of my church family and I'm responsible for you. And I know you, I know your name, I know your prayer concerns, I know what's going on with you and, and I love you and I'm looking for opportunities to bless you and care for you. Membership is, a, is an important piece. And here's the second one that we're pursuing, groups. We want you to be in Obviously, you can't relate to everybody from our campus. You can't know all, you know, 200 and something people on that high level, but you can say, here are the people that I do life together with. Here are people that I'm routinely with, and we encourage each other, and we do love each other, and we do care for each other. So membership in groups is the strategy. It's the way forward to pursue the kind of relationships that would draw people to the glory of God. Now, unfortunately, Simply onboarding membership in groups doesn't necessarily mean we're going to love each other. I mean, we can do that, but I've been to plenty of Bible studies where it is very clear people don't love each other. They might, you know, we talk about the Bible, we do our thing, but at the end of the day, we might walk away from Bible study and not even know who we were studying the Bible with. So we have to pursue these relationships, and part of that means it's on you and I. Like, we can't just program this thing. We can't just say, you do these steps and you're going to have love. You have to take responsibility to say, I'm going to do what I can to move toward other people in my church so that I could say, if I invited an unbeliever to church or to my group, they're going to see the love of God on display. That's a heavy calling, but it's worth pursuing, isn't it? So the relationships are a big deal. How could we more seriously Embrace the call to love other believers. And then here's, here's the question that I want you to be wrestling with. Um, I want you to be thinking through, who could you invite into the settings where you're doing relationship with other Christians? I don't want to, this is a message on witnessing, telling people about Christ. Let's not say, once I get that love piece down, then I'll start inviting people. Um, let's start thinking through, who could we invite in even now? We're a work in progress. We're trying to love each other better and better, but who could I invite in right now? Who are the people who I could invite to church on a Sunday or invite into a group experience and they could see the love of God, even if it's just these small little displays? Because they're there. God is telling us this is true of us as his community of faith. There, there are sincere expressions of love and that's worth um, highlighting as well. So number one, relationships are a way to help us witness to Jesus Christ. Number two, worship is a way to help us witness about Christ. And I'm talking about the gathering of God's people 
to listen to the word preached and to raise our voices in songs and to take communion and to, to participate in these relationships that we have. The worship experience of the gathering of God's people is another opportunity for us to leverage the glory of God to testify about Christ. Now in Acts chapter 2, that's what they were doing, right? Meeting in the temple courts. They were meeting together. They were having a large group experience. And it was, I think, evangelistic. Now we've done this a few times recently, so, so I won't go through the whole thing. But as God's people, we are the temple of God. We are the spiritual house that God is building. His glory is available to us when we come together and we recognize who we are in Christ. So his glory and his name resides on us. And, and that means when we gather on a Sunday morning, the glory of God is on display. So kids can, students can come into an auditorium like this during the week and they can, you know, be a part of, let, let's say like a church-wide, or I'm sorry, a school-wide little assembly thing. And they don't experience the glory of God. But they could come in here on a Sunday morning and have a profound experience of God. That's wild. And, you know, I went to Hananiga. I've been in the auditorium there. I know the things that can happen during the week in an auditorium at a school. The glory of God isn't always on display. But when, when the people of God gather together in one place and we do this thing that we call church, the glory of God is on display. And so um, that's what we want to have happen. When somebody comes to our church services, we want them to experience God. This is how Jacob put it in, in Genesis chapter 28. He, he, he got to experience the, the glory of God in the place where God's name was being made known. And he puts it like this, surely the Lord is in this place and I wasn't aware of it. He, he was afraid, Jacob was afraid and he said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. That's what we want people to come in and experience that a student who's here for, let's say a volleyball practice on a Sunday accidentally wanders in here, they've been in here a hundred times before, and, or a janitor who's working comes in just to peek on us and check on us, and they've been in here a hundred times before, and they walk in and they go, holy smokes, I don't know what's going on here. This is the gate of heaven. The glory of God is here. And, and it's simply because the people of God are here, and he's inhabiting this household, he's inhabiting his people. And so people could wander in and go, God is in this place. That's what I think was happening in Acts chapter five, just a little further down the road from where we're at, where they were meeting in Solomon's colonnade. The people of God were meeting together and there was this fear, this holy fear from the people in Jerusalem. I don't know what's going on over there, but I'm a little freaked out by it because there's so much of the display of God's glory there. And it says in verse 14, even though there was this holy fear and there was this kind of hesitation to even go near Solomon's colonnade, it says, nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. So as the people of God were gathering together, God was adding to their number. He was displaying his glory through them. And then people are learning about Christ and coming to faith in him. Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, another place in the Bible where I think this point is being made where Paul is saying to a church, he's saying, order your services so that people can come in and understand what's happening. Communicate clearly and let the main agenda be building people up. And he says, if you do that well, here's what'll happen. Unbelievers will come in. This is verse 25. They will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. Now that's a high calling, 
But every time we meet on a Sunday morning, that's a truth that we can lean into. And I'm saying this, and I, I just want to qualify it this way, without us doing anything special in the sense that we have to do something new or different. Like we have to get a special performer or we have to have a special message. No, every time we come together, this truth is on display. The ordinary, the ordinary preaching of the word and singing of songs and taking of communion, all of these kind of run of the mill, this is just what we do on a Sunday morning. They are supercharged by the Spirit of God. And somebody can come in here and have that experience. Surely the Lord is in this place. This is the very gate of heaven. That's, that's awesome. And I hope that you will, with me, embrace that truth and begin to invite people, right? The, what we could do is we meet every Sunday. And every Sunday, the glory of God comes into this place because you show up. All we have to do is think through, who would I like to experience the glory of God? I'm going to invite them. And I'm not inviting them because there's some special service or something extraordinary that's happening, other than the fact that God's people are getting together and his glory is going to be on display. And I'm going to lean into that and embrace that. And I'm going to talk to people after that if they come and visit, because I want them to experience my Savior. So our worship services have an evangelistic feature to them. Let's Let's leverage that. Let's start to invite people and say, if you could come, you could hear God's voice and you could sing, you could hear God's people singing and watch them take communion. You could, you could experience the glory of God through the gathering of his people. So who could you invite? Here's the third thing that we could do. We could organize and coordinate outreach efforts. We can do church-wide initiatives to try to help people um, hear about the news of Christ. So as a church, there are opportunities that we have that we could simply embrace. Um, for instance, and I'm just going to throw a bunch of things at the wall and see what sticks, okay? Here, here are a few different things that happen. As a church, we can just say, there are two times on our calendar where people will come to church even if they hate church. Christmas and Easter. So we already have these kind of God lobbing us a softball. Like, hey, this one's super easy. Come on, guys. And all we have to do is say, uh, I'm going to use those two times on the calendar for God's glory to testify about Christ. And it might mess with my traditions and my family schedule a little bit, but it's certainly worth it because I could bring somebody to church and they could hear the message of the gospel. So let's, let's embrace that, Easter and Christmas. Great opportunities to invite people. We can create specific environments for people who are curious about Christianity. We did Alpha, and because of the kind of what, where we were at in the life of our church, we said, we just want you guys to jump into this thing because we want to build these relationships. If we're going to be a church that God, the kind of church God wants us to be, we have to know each other. So let's get together and do that. And we had 100 people participate in Alpha groups. But what if we did Alpha again, and this time we go, it's not for us, it's for the community. And we're going to create an environment where someone who's curious about Christianity could come into a non-threatening environment and we can feed them a meal, and they could hear the, the story of Christ and what he's done. And they could dialogue about that. And we create just an easy, easy environment for people who are curious about Christianity to be exposed to it. We could do something like exploring the Christian faith. At youth group, we did this a few years ago, where we said, we're going to do a, a series where we just talk about some of the things that people might be curious about when it comes to Christianity. How do you know that God exists? Is the Bible reliable? If God is so good, why is his church so awful? 
and things like that. Doesn't science disprove Christianity? We could do some Friday nights where we come to Harlem High School and we just kind of do an open forum and people can come and we just kind of address issues like that so that they could have an opportunity to ask questions about who Christ is and what he's done. Here's another thing that we could do. We could do evangelistic campaigns where we just say as a church, we're going to, for a season, train people to share their faith and you know, go do things where, where we're talking to other people about Christ. We could organize something like that. We could do events. Um, this is something that we've done throughout the season of our, the life of our church. We could do a parking lot party or uh, a movie night or things like that that just become easy opportunities to invite people to it. But, but I do want to be careful. This is what Charles Spurgeon said. And I want to be careful about just creating events. He said, uh, if you have to create a carnival to get someone to church, you'll have to keep giving them carnivals to keep them coming back. Now, I think he's overstating the case, but there's a nugget of truth in there. When we do events, they're limited in what they can accomplish. We can invite our friends to them. They can watch a movie with us. That's all fine and well. But what we want is to move them beyond coming to an event and into the life of the church so they could hear the message of salvation. And so we're going to do events. We're going to do movie nights and things like that. But, but, but listen, we should coordinate our efforts so that evangelism, which is a part of our identity, is showing up in the regular life of our church. And so I hope you'll join me in that. Here's the, the fourth and final thing that I'm going to say. Um, what I get excited about when I think about church and I think about who we, could, who we could become together, I get excited about the idea of helping you personally share the story of Christ. So I don't just want church and services to do that for you. I want to equip and train you and deploy you to be able to do that for yourself. This is what Wilson Carlyle said. He says, I've got the biggest job I've ever tackled in my life. I'm trying to open the mouths of the people in the pews. And I feel that. This is the biggest job that I'll probably ever tackle in my ministry. It's helping you gain confidence that you could go out from here and open your mouth and share the story of Christ. And we're going to keep pressing into that because if that's happening, if we begin to do that on this routine basis, there's no telling what God might do through our church community. And that's way more exciting than always trying to gather people together so one person could do the communicating. Why don't we try to push it out to the fringes of your lives where you're talking about Christ in your workplaces and with your families and with your friends. So, so I think individually witnessing is an important piece to this whole thing. And my job as a pastor, if I'm reading my Bible right, it is to equip and train you to do works of ministry. It's to prepare you to go and do these different things. And so that's what we're going to try to do. We're going to try to help you embrace this high calling of being being a witness. Now, in order to do that, I'm going to invite the band to come back up here in just a moment, but I, I'm going to read uh, um, this one verse over you. It's one of my favorite passages in Scripture. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and this verse says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Here's what this is talking about. We have this identity as individual Christians and as his collected body, we have this identity of we are, we are people who witness. We tell people. We're ambassadors. We have a message. And we go out in the name of the king and we let people know that incredible message of salvation. You, ha you have an identity. You are an ambassador. And you have a message. And it's the message of Christ Jesus Christ crucified and risen. 
And so we go out and we implore people, be reconciled to God by placing your faith in him. So I hope you'll join me in this effort. We want to be a church that's a witnessing community, telling people the news of Jesus Christ. So let's pray. Lord, help us. Um, We know that opening our mouths and talking about spiritual things is maybe one of the scariest things that we do. And so God, would you give us gospel confidence? In the early church, um, just, just a little ways down from where we were looking this morning, they prayed, God, would you make us bold so that we could open our mouths? And that's what we're doing right now. Lord, make us bold. Help us to not be overwhelmed with fear or anxiety or excuses of why we shouldn't do this or why we can't do this. But Lord, make us bold and help us, Lord, this morning to, to go away from here with this uh, clear marching order to love people well who are a part of the church and then to invite unbelievers to experience that and then open our mouths to tell about our Lord that unites us. Lord, we pray that you would make us, this group of people right here, make us a witnessing community that just can't help but share the good news of what you've done for each of us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.